Welcome inside the vault. This is a collection of previously unreleased lessons from eight-figure entrepreneurial mastermind Arjun Robbins. And in case you didn't see the warning label, this content can be explicit and is for serious entrepreneurs only. This is the third and final episode of a three-part series where Arjun describes what it means to be a sales rock star and explains how to escape the fear that is holding you back, not just from selling, but from achieving true freedom in your business and your life. Let's go to the vault. Working with Arjan is like having a shortcut to future you. Every time I can have an opportunity to spend time with Arjan, I try to take it and be a sponge. I thought everyone was crazy. You know, they were running to the front of the stage to see this person. Arjun's wearing his crazy shirt. You know, he drinks tiger blood in the morning just for fun, and he's like breathing down my throat. Sometimes it's terrifying to work with him. It's like he's looking into your soul, but it's, it's growth the whole way. Let's talk about what does it mean to be a rock star? A rock star is someone who is authentic. A rock star is, show, is a person who shows up as themselves. I don't want to use the word authenticity too much because it's a buzzword. And, and it's, it's July of 2014. And um, today in 2014, authenticity is, is like in the air. And everyone's like, you've got to be authentic. And this has to be authentic. And, you know, like 10 years ago, there was a different word. And before that, it was quality control. Before, and there's always these buzzwords that are always circulating around. And, and I don't want this message to be dated. I want you to understand that this message is timeless. Because throughout history, we've always had rock stars. Jesus Christ was a rock star. Martin Luther King was a rock star. Emily Dickinson was a rock star. Muhammad Ali was a rock star. Benjamin Franklin was a rock star. Uh, Gandhi, who, by the way, was a lawyer, was a rock star, who, by the way, was a solo practitioner. He was a rock star, who, by the way, was a solo practitioner whose law firm failed because he didn't know shit about the business of how to run a law firm, and so he went to go work for a big firm when he couldn't run his own law firm, but still, he was a rock star. I'm, I'm going out of my way not to mention the people who play musical instruments, because I want you to understand that being a rock star isn't about just music. Um, being a rock star is timeless. You know you're a rock star when you're unconcerned about how, the, uh, about how other people choose to allow themselves to feel based on who you are and how you choose to live your life. I'm going to repeat that because this is really important. Being a rock star, be, you know you're a rock star when you are unconcerned about how other people choose to allow themselves to feel based on how you choose to live your life. You see, I can't make you feel bad about yourself if you don't already feel bad about yourself. I can't make you feel good about yourself if you don't feel good about yourself. 
I can't give you a feeling. You have control over yourself. If I say something and that upsets you, the, the offense was within. There was something inside of you that was waiting to be offended. Being a rock star means you don't, it's not that you don't care. It's that you're not concerned. It's not that you're insensitive. It's not that you're heartless. It's not that you say, well, I don't give a shit about that person if they feel bad. That just makes you an asshole. It means you're not going to be overly concerned to the point where it stops you from being who you need to be. You're going to express yourself. Life always finds a way. You're going to stop suppressing your own life force and be who you need to be because that's what you were put on this planet to do. You are at peace with your vulnerability. Being a rock star isn't about being Superman. Superman is not up there because Superman is not a rock star. Rock stars have vulnerability. Rock stars embrace their vulnerability. Rock stars let their vulnerability, they put their vulnerability on our sleeves to let other people share in the experience. The, 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 your favorite songs, your favorite books, your favorite poems, if you think about some of your favorite songs and books and poems, and I'm talking about the stuff that's timeless, not just you know, what's got a, a snappy tune today and you know, in six months we won't even remember it. I'm talking about the really timeless stuff. There's a vulnerability to it. There's a truth to it. And the person who wrote the song, the person who performed the song, was willing to share that vulnerability, and that's what makes a stadium of 50,000 people connect with Freddie Mercury. Being a rock star is all about being true to yourself. To be a rock star, you have to be committed enough to your craft committed enough to your point of view. That presupposes, by the way, having a point of view. Yet to be committed enough to your craft, committed enough to your point of view, that you are compelled to share it with the world. This is your dark side. This is the side of you where your shame lives. We've got to go to that place and we've got to merge together your bright side and your dark side because they're both there working. And if your dark side is working against you and your bright side is working for you, you're going to go nowhere. In fact, you're going to go worse because your dark side is actually more powerful. We're going to discover your dark side. We're going to embrace your dark side. We're going to integrate your dark side. And you're going to use your full power to help other people make their lives better by helping them see the ghost of Christmas future, what's happening if they stay on their current course of action versus other options. And you're not going to substitute your own feelings, values, insecurities for theirs. You're not going to make up stories about why they're wearing a bathrobe.
All right. There's a difference between wishing for a thing and being ready to receive it. And by the way, you can take all the notes you want here today. You can go back and watch this video again, which you'll all be able to do because it's will be on the membership website pretty soon. You can listen to these recordings in your car over and over and over again, which is what I would recommend you plan on doing. Because I promise you, there are so many layers to this that there's no way you're possibly going to be able to get it all the first, the second, or even the third time through it. Um, you'll notice some of these books, well, some of these books are new because I just travel with them. These are like some of my travel, like this is my traveling copy of Think and Grow Rich because my real reading copy of Think and Grow Rich is dog-eared to shit because I've read it so many times. Um, this is my traveling copy of The Four Agreements because my real copy of The Four Agreements is actually an audio that if it was a record, I would have worn it out already. I've listened to it so many times. You'll know that you have studied this stuff enough when the results are showing up in your life. Until the results are showing up in your life, then you don't really know this stuff. So Napoleon Hill in Think and Grow Rich writes, there's a difference between wishing for a thing and being ready to receive it. No one is ready for a thing until he believes he can acquire it. The state of mind must be belief, not mere hope or wish. Open-mindedness is essential for belief. Closed minds do not inspire faith, courage, or belief. Remember, no more effort is required to aim high in life to demand abundance and prosperity then is required to accept misery and poverty. I actually will tell you that it requires more effort to accept misery and poverty than it does to embrace and aim high for success. It actually requires more mental and emotional effort to make the excuses you need to make and to turn your back on truth and bullshit yourself. And of course, it requires more physical effort as well because, you know, flying coach sucks. <laughs> it takes a lot of physical effort to cram yourself in that little chair. And, you know, but, it, but in, a, in a lot of practical ways. I mean, it takes a lot more effort to scrub your own toilet than to write a check to someone else and have them clean your house for you. I mean, in, in a lot of very practical ways, and I'm not saying this to, to, I'm not saying this to be, a, I'm not saying you should be a snob. I'm not, I'm not saying this in a snob, braggadocio way. I'm saying as a practical matter, it requires more effort to, to deny your power and to deny your gift to other people than to just embrace it and go with it. So Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich, which, by the way, if you haven't already gone to iTunes, go to iTunes and search for Think and Grow Rich for Lawyers. And there's a free program that I'm developing where I, I narrate Think and Grow Rich chapter by chapter and then kind of adapt and apply and 
sometimes go off on a little bit of a rant about it as it applies to small businesses and, and, and the world of an entrepreneur and lawyers. Think and Grow Rich for Lawyers. It's free. You can just enjoy it. Share it with all your friends. The poem, I bargained with life for a penny, and life would pay no more. However, I begged at evening after I counted my scanty score. For life is, is a just employer. He gives you what you ask. But once you have set the wages, you must bear the task. I worked for a menial's hire only to learn dismayed that any wage I had asked of life, life would have willingly paid. Let me explain that to you so you understand. What that means is you can make as much money as you decide you want to make. And I mean that sincerely. All you have to do is be prepared to deliver as much or preferably a little bit more value than the money you're asking for in exchange. In other words, help people make a profit. If you want a client to give you $1,000, give them $3,000 of value. If you want a client to give you $2,000, give them $6,000 worth of value. If you want a client to give you $100,000, give them $300,000 worth of value. You want a client to give you a million dollars, give them $3 million worth of value. If you don't want to give someone $3 million worth of value, that's okay. Just accept that they're not, you can't reasonably ask them to give you a million dollars worth of fees. And I'm not even saying you should. I'm not saying this is good or bad. I'm just saying that you do actually have control. You have control over the dial of your own income. And it starts with you deciding how much value you want to give to people and how much better you want to help them make their life. You make that decision first, and then selling, quote-unquote selling, selling is basically just reduced to a very simple process of exchanging money with people for a discount. Right? If I gave you 20 bucks, would you give me 10? Anyone? All right. If I gave you a way to make your life $100,000 better, would you give me $50,000? Of course you would. Right? If I gave you a way to make your life $10,000 better, would you give me $5,000? Yes. Right? You can charge whatever you want to charge for your services. You just have to find a way to make it worth, I would say, a rule of thumb, at least three times more valuable to your clients. In, in, in this firm, the standard that we keep is that every product, every service, every experience, everything we do, when we're going through the budget, when we're going through the plans, when we're going through our business models and everything, anytime my team comes to me and they have an idea for a new program or I want to do a new course or we do want to do a one-off, whatever, we always try to say, we want to make sure that it's going to be worth at least five times whatever we're going to charge for it. And if we can't make it worth five times more than what we're going to charge for it for you and make it economical for us, we don't do it. We've got a lot of really great programs that we don't do because when I crunch the numbers, 
I could make it worth about what I'm charging for it. I could charge you $5,000 and make it worth $5,000, but then where am I giving you a profit? If I only give you $5,000 worth of value for a $5,000 fee, then I'm not really giving you a profit, right? If I want to charge $25,000 for a private VIP day, I got to make sure I'm giving you at least $100,000 worth of value. If I want to charge $3,500 for a mastermind or for a Shark Tank style business plan development workshop, I want to make sure that I'm giving you at least $15,000 worth of value. If you will hold yourself to that standard and understand your business, understand your products, understand your services, understand what the client is really buying from you, and make sure that it's worth at least three to five times the value of what you're going to ask them to pay you, then suddenly selling doesn't become such a uh, gut-wrenching experience because you're basically just saying, well, you know, I'm prepared to give this person a 20. I'm asking them to give me a five. They don't want to exchange a 20 for a five. Okay, there's someone else out there who will. Whatever people do, feel, think, or say, don't take it personally. And this goes especially for tonight, because tonight is the Thunderdome. Those evil laughs are people who know what the Thunderdome is. (laughs) The new people are looking like, oh shit, what did we just get ourselves into? The Thunderdome. All right. Whatever people do think or say, don't take it personally. If they tell you how wonderful you are, they are not saying that because of you. You know you are wonderful. It is not necessary to believe other people who will tell you that you are wonderful. Don't take anything personally. Don't take anything personally. Even if someone got a gun and shot you in the head, it was nothing personal, even at that extreme. Even the opinions you have about yourself are not necessarily true. Therefore, you don't need to take whatever you hear in your own mind personally. The stories you're telling yourself, the insecurities, all of that, don't even take that stuff personally. The mind has the ability to talk to itself, but it also has the ability to hear information that is available from others. Sometimes you hear a voice in your mind and you wonder where it came from. The voice may have come from another person who may not even be alive anymore. Don't take anything personally because by taking things personally, you set yourself up to suffer for nothing. Humans are addicted to suffering at different levels and to different degrees. And we support each other in maintaining these addictions. Humans agree to help each other suffer. If you have the need to be abused, you will find it easy to be abused by others. Likewise, if you are with people who need to suffer, something in you will make you abuse them. It is as if they have a note on their back that says, please kick me. 
They are asking for justifications for their suffering. Their addiction to suffering is nothing but an agreement that is reinforced every day of their lives. Wherever you go, you will, pe- you will find people lying to you, and as your awareness grows, you will notice that you also lie to yourself. Do not expect people to tell you the truth because they also lie to themselves. You have to trust yourself and choose to believe or not believe what some people say to you. When we really see other people as they are without taking it personally, we can never be hurt by what they say or do. Even if other people lie to you, it is okay. They are lying to you because they are afraid. They are afraid you will discover that they are not perfect. It is painful to take that social mask off. If others say one thing but do another, you are lying to yourself if you don't listen to their actions. But if you are truthful with yourself, you will save, you will save yourself a lot of emotional pain. Telling yourself the truth about it may hurt but you don't need to be attached to the pain. Healing is on the way, and it's just a matter of time before things will get better for you if you embrace that truth, if you have the courage to look at what's true, what's real, and not settle for a life of bullshit. If someone is not treating you with love and respect, it is a gift if they walk away from you. If that person doesn't walk away, you will surely endure many years of suffering with him or her. Walking away may hurt for a while, but your heart will eventually heal. Then you can choose what you really want. You will find that you don't need to trust others as much as you need to trust yourself to make the right choices. Anyone who's ever been embezzled by an employee, raise your hand. Notice my hand is up, right? True or not true, you knew it before you knew it. You knew it before you knew it, right? You ignored all of the signs. You ignored their actions because you wanted to believe their words. By the way, everyone who didn't raise their hand, here's what I know about you. I know you either don't have an employee, you've either never had an employee, or you don't yet know you were embezzled. (laughs) When you, make a, when you make it a strong habit not to take anything personally, you avoid many upsets in your life. Your anger, jealousy, and envy will all disappear. Imagine going through life without anger, jealousy, and, uh, and envy. Can you imagine how much better your business would run if you weren't battling those demons on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? Taking nothing personally helps you break many habits and routines that trap you in the dream of hell and cause needless suffering. When you learn to say I love you without fear of being ridiculed or rejected, then you can ask for what you need. You can say yes or you can say no, whatever you choose, without guilt or self-judgment or self-recrimination. 
You can choose to follow your heart, and then you can be in the middle of hell and still experience inner peace and happiness. You can stay in your state of bliss, and the hell around will not affect you at all. See, until you get yourself out of this hell that, that you're in because you're worried about what other people are going to think of you, you always end up in some way, shape, or form imposing your values, your judgments, your insecurities, making up your stories and attributing them to other people. And then what you're really doing is the opposite of giving your clients love, giving them security, and giving them self-esteem. Because what you're really doing is denying them choice. If I didn't offer you the opportunity to invest $100,000 a year with me to be in my highest level program for million-dollar solo lawyers, I would be denying you the choice to say yes. You could say yes, you could say no. If you say yes, then that'd be great. We'll all have a lot of fun together. If you say no, that's okay. I don't take it personally. If you say no because you don't like me, I don't take that personally. If you say no because you don't think that I deliver enough value, I don't take that personally. If you say no because you don't think I deserve it, I don't take that personally. If you say no because whatever story or explanation you want to give for why you say no, I don't take it personally because it's not about me, it's about you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to tune in next week for more lessons from The Vault.